Here's Gourlami. Hey guys, and welcome to Who Watches the Watches? Yeah, let me see if I can find the... Nope, okay. I thought that was going to be the Gorlami button, but no. <laughs> uh, this week we're talking about uh, The Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. The 1978 film, Deer Hunter, uh, directed by... Now, he goes by... Uh, no one knows how to say his name. Yeah, I've noticed that. <laughs> Michael Cimino, Michael Cimino, yeah. Michael Cimino. I think it would be Cimino, you know? Yeah. I, I would say that I, I'm going to go with Cimino for the, the yeah. duration of this... Uh, conversation about i think samino is probably the the most correct yeah so directed by michael samino yeah Yeah. and um i don't know if you looked into his filmography but he doesn't have a lot of films under Mm -hmm. his belt um this movie was kind of i think uh i don't know it was kind of i think a fluke for him yeah or like a diamond in the rough almost kind of situation yeah because it really is i mean this movie gets compared to apocalypse now Mm -hmm. which is i mean francis coppola you know and that's like as iconic as it gets when it comes to directors so to have your you know basically one iconic movie being held to that high you know to that kind of relevance and it really speaks volumes to like you really hitting that mark Mm-hmm. That one time, you know what I mean? So that's where it's, I mean, it's an impressive feat to have kind of managed to not have any other, you know, super relevant films under his yeah. belt and to have still pulled off something that it will resonate through the ages yeah. quite like this movie, you know? Especially because I believe the film he did right after this was regarded as a very terrible film. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> which I think it's called Heaven's Gate. Let me double check. Yeah, Heaven's Gate, which that movie came out 1980 mm-hmm. and that one was starring Chris Christopherson oh. and... And okay. Christopher Walken. Um, so obviously he had a thing for Christopher Walken a little bit. He had, yeah, he had things for Christophers. I yeah, because <laughs> his name is. Um, oh no, his name's Michael. God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie starring um, uh, Robert cool De Niro, Robert De Miro, Robert the Mirror. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, um, and Meryl Streep as mm-hmm. the the big three. I think. Um, and it's a movie that's kind of told in three parts. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Wario, because there's three points in the W. Gotcha. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Makes um, sense. Uh, no, but it's it's uh, there's three sections of this yeah. movie, and it's you know lives before the war. Yeah. It's a Vietnam War movie. Um, lives during the war, and then the life after. And well, and even what I would say is that we don't get a whole lot of their life before war is so much as it's like almost the anxieties of preparing to go off to war you know oh, okay. from the moment we meet these characters they've already enlisted in the army right. and so we're really just seeing uh, kind of like their send-off you know what i mean yeah. so we're really seeing the the stress and almost like anxious anxiety that going off into the vietnam war is you know creating for these right. characters in their last moments before you know, I, having to... I didn't see a lot of anxiety personally really yeah i felt like the beginning the beginning hour of mm-hmm. this movie was kind of them doing whatever the fuck they want Mm -hmm. they're kind of like the kings of this like you know suburb of pittsburgh Mm -hmm. where they just go to work in the steel mill 
come out, do whatever the fuck they want, take advantage of anything they can. You yeah. know, they they immediately go drink right after getting yeah. off of work, even though one of them is going and getting married. Yeah. John I mean, they do basically character. do and hang yeah. out all this stuff right before his wedding. Yeah. Right. Like, they're like screwing around. But it's talking about it, going deer hunting. <laughs> but they're like regarded as like these three kings mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are going to war. Mm-hmm. It's Robert De Niro. L- l- yeah, their it's, it's their Rob- characters are it's Mike. Mike, Nick, and Steven are right. the ones going to war, which is Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, and John Sack. Yes. Um, and then we the other basically main friends in the group are Stan, played by John Cazell, and then Axel, played by Chuck Asbergen, and then John, who's the bartender owner, played by George. Uh, yeah, his last name is also one of those. It's like, you know, Duzunda. Yeah. Oh, okay. So him, he's interesting. I mm-hmm. want to talk about him for a second. Wait, I thought the- George Duzunda. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about Chuck Asbergen. Yeah, that's Axel. Yes. Yeah. Do you know the, his backstory? No, tell me his he, This is his only film. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's the guy that Robert De Niro shadowed while learning the steel mill and they just offered him a part in the movie. That's awesome. There's so many little details about yeah. this movie that I kind of came to learn. So that's see, that's a fantastic little thing to know that this that guy wasn't even really an actor, and they yeah. were, like, hey, you want to you want to be part of the movie, bro? <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, yeah. he he fits the part. Mm-hmm. No, fantastic. Him and George Dezunda, their characters are kind of just like the the two like guys that kind of egg on our three mm-hmm. kings as i'm gonna put them in this, yeah, in this no, first portion because literally they they go around they do whatever the fuck they want yeah. they're they obviously can have like any woman at any time the three <laughs> oh, of them yeah. it seems like it yeah they kind of just like take advantage and you see that stan tries to kind of do that too yeah and it doesn't work out for stan because he's not regarded as like one of these three boys mm-hmm. but immediately after leaving the still mill at, at the very opening they they like risk their lives like driving alongside this huge truck in between a wall and they're like literally scraping mm-hmm. the cadillac between the fucking wall and this truck just to so so they can turn out in front of the truck yeah. you know what i mean they're like they're thrill seekers. It's like hooligans, kind of. Yeah. yeah, messing around for sure. But it's like they don't, they have no care in the world. Mm-hmm. They go and get drunk right afterwards, even though there's a wedding. And it's, you see the two buildings, the steel mill and the church. Mm-hmm. And they're both like these objects that are like looming over our characters during the story. And one of them is their castle, the steel mill. And one of them is God watching them and judging them. You know what I mean? And so I always found that super interesting that it's just like these giant buildings Mm -hmm. over this tiny little kind of like gray town. And they're, they go around like they're, fucking like they can do whatever they want. You know what I mean? So, I mean, an argument I would make towards that is that, I mean, kind of the people who act like that are, are usually some of the most anxious or like mm-hmm. stressed out in my opinion you know what i mean and i think true. all of that is kind of meant to to highlight the underlying stress or anxieties that they are having but even deeper into that like uh, the examples of exactly like them getting completely you know hammered drunk yeah. and going around and having a good time but then there's the scene at the wedding where they kind of harass that green beret oh, that comes right. in yeah and i think that's one of the scenes that really stuck out to me in the fact that it was like oh these guys are like kind of freaking out right now Mm -hmm. because they mean they really ask him like you know what what is it like over there like what's going on i mean you can tell robert De Niro, mike's you know mike doesn't want to let it go he's incredibly curious and i mean they are hammered drunk and exactly kings on their on the top of their castle you know basically i'm thinking they can treat anybody the way they want but you can feel the kind of stress in the in the answer that we get which i think is so perfect from that guy which is fuck Fuck it it. yeah fuck it like fuck it over there (laughs) i should have clipped that yeah um (laughs) Honestly, you know, and it's such a, I mean, it's such an honest response of what I think someone who managed to come back from Vietnam, probably all they would have had to say about it at that point in time, you know, and it was such a, 
perfect uh, foresight into what we were for had sure. coming for us. But I feel like it really highlighted the the fear that our characters are kind of growing, kind of going into that situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there, it really cuts to it. You know what I mean? So there's just, I feel like a lot of moments like that. And, and But I do love that scene where they're being womanizers and we get that moment where Robert De Niro is watching Meryl Streep, but you get the other girl sitting down at the table who's just kind of like thinks he's looking at her and so yeah. she's like, hey, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows that they really are exactly like these these men among town who have like this high respect. And I think it's meant to be like a small Pennsylvania town for sure. Right, yeah, Clareton. No. I think yeah, we only I, ever hear it like I think one it's like time. South, it's like southeast of Pittsburgh, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, even at Stevie's wedding, they have not the bride and the groom's portraits up hanging on the wall. It's the three boys. Oh, at the reception. Yeah. yeah the reception them off, is yeah. suddenly not so much about the wedding, but about these three boys that are going off to be, mm-hmm. you know, regarded as like war heroes from like World War II. You yeah. know, that's the, that's, that's also looming over this movie is like, you have the idea of like these these you know righteous men going out to war the expectations of being a war hero basically exactly and so they're proud of these boys and so um that's what the whole and it and it really there's like a lot of ritualistic Mm -hmm. scenes that drag out in this movie like the whole wedding area of this of the first Yeah, they really show you what a an old catholic uh marriage was like you know what i mean with the walking around with the crowns and have you ever been to like a hard catholic wedding no i've sat through one they didn't do all of that kind of stuff but it was a lot of getting down on your knees and getting back up again i mean i I was raised catholic i was gonna say and, and it was probably it was like a four hour long reception uh no not re- uh like oh, like wedding the, like service yeah, you know what i mean yeah. the reception is the party after oh, okay, you know what yeah. i mean but the service itself was like i mean it was like three and a half hours long <laughs> but that's still yeah an insane amount of time to watch two people go through a bunch of nonsense you know what i mean so yeah, uh, yeah catholics are intense man they no but yeah hmm. I, I just i really like this whole like ritualistic opening where yeah. it's like it's just like it's really showing you that they are embedded in mm-hmm. this and like it's and it does a great job giving us who our characters are in my opinion mm-hmm. you know we get you know who who robert de niro or you know who mike is and who nick is to him in my opinion you know what yeah. i mean we see that those two are really obviously the bonded more out of everyone and i love that kind of idea that he brings everyone on the hunting trip mm-hmm. but really it's only him and nick who ever truly go hunting in that first right. scene that we see the rest just get fucked up and sleep in the cabin you know all or, morning or dip twinkies yeah or fucking dip <laughs> twinkies and mustard <laughs> um one thing i thought was really interesting i don't know how much you know about john cazell you know the actor that played no, stan yeah, yeah. yeah and how much you looked into everything you know, went on with him but i thought it was really interesting that this was his last performance and mm-hmm. he was literally suffering with lung cancer throughout all of this so i was like way to be the the douchebag in your very last movie, you know, yeah. but I mean, I, I mean, thought he played it well. That's, I thought that's exactly. The point. Like, I was like, I thought he put on an incredibly powerful performance and I actually really, as much as Stan kind of sucked, I really liked Stan's character through this movie in the sense that he became kind of like a constant support system to like Meryl Streep's character. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in spite of being kind of like not the best guy mentally, you know yeah. what I mean? Like to be around, he is like still like an honestly acted out and true person, you know yeah. what I mean? So I thought it was really neat. And another fun fact I just learned was that uh Meryl Streep was in the running to play Ridley in Alien. Oh really? And actually turned the role down because she was mourning the death of John Cazell. Holy shit. R- right they were, after they the... were good friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Apparently so. the when the not a lot of people knew that Cazell was dying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was kept very hush hush kind of like Chadwick Bosman. I feel like we've kind yeah. of gone through it in our own time now. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but they, when the studio found out that mm-hmm. he was dying, they were like, this movie is no longer 
insurable. We have to recast him immediately. And I, I believe Robert De Niro put up like a lot of his own money to insure the movie. And Meryl Streep threatened quitting the movie if they got rid of John Grizel, which that's I mean, that's Yeah, it's friendship, man. That's love right there. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it I I'm glad that they got to pull this movie mm-hmm. off with with him still in the part. Exactly. And it's amazing to just see, you know, a per- to to see that and you mm-hmm. know that watching the performance that he was, you know, suffering with something like that and still able to put on, you know, this fantastic, you know, performance. Performance, yeah. and, you know. Really go out with a bang. Yeah, definitely. So, um, but this whole first portion of the movie, let's just kind of breeze through it because I mean, it's it's a lot of tradition. It's yeah. a lot of like these. This is these boys' lives. Mm-hmm. They live it the same way every day. It seems like, and that's kind of what's embedded with the whole like tradition of the the Catholicism. They just kind of sit through it. They live their lives as these you know doorstops, pretty much. I mean, you know, but they still get to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. You know, it's just like what I'm trying to say is like their lives are this and nothing more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what this first hour is really trying to pound into you is just like this is. This is tradition. Yeah. This is everything that they ever know and will ever feel like they know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think one of the big parts of symbolism that we get out of that first part uh, is during the wedding scene when they're drinking from the oh right the dual cup and we mm-hmm. see the little bit of spillage onto her dress, which is essentially the one I feel like foreshadow, true yeah. like little like symbolic foreshadowing Michael Cimino chose to put in there to basically be like look out for that fucking character yeah, you know they what i say mean before they drink the cup that you know if they don't spill any of the drink you have like good luck, good luck for the rest of your lives right. or something like that yeah. so um yeah i thought that was really interesting and it was one of those things is like this is how how much foreshadowing is this going to be so, you know <laughs> is that like straight up like oh this dude's gonna fucking die <laughs> you know so i thought i thought that was really interesting that it basically it's like putting the gun in your hand right and you know you're like you know at some point it's gonna get fired um after this after the the ceremony money um michael mm-hmm. runs down the road streaking he gets full fucking naked Nude. we see his pubises and everything we see some pure robert de niro in this film um and christopher walken like chases after yeah. him um and you can definitely see the bonding that these mm-hmm. two boys have and it's weird because they're like uh, michael is a lot like you know a stone yeah. where he's like he he's very stubborn Mm -hmm. but he's good for his friend he's he has his like set ideals and that's pretty much it you know what i mean yeah and they're both fawning over meryl streep Mm -hmm. definitely there is a love triangle pretty much from the start there and meryl streep is obviously like nick's girl like that's and the idea is that nick's (laughs) not totally in like like uh involved like he says like you want to get married but it's kind of like, that's just what's expected of me. That's what's expected of us. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, he's just filling out the part that yeah. he needs to fill out. Because that's that's all they know. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, no one can fully commit to anyone. You know what right. I mean? Like, the, the triangle doesn't work in any direction fully. Right. And so, you know, I, I feel like Mike and Nick are kind of, like, looking to each other, like, what's your move? Who are you going to be? Who am I going to be? Yeah. I'll go, I'll feed off of you. You know what I mean? They're kind of waiting for each other. They they only exist, they're kind of like two sides of the same guy. Kind yeah, of, you know what absolutely. I mean? And so I, I think it's really interesting that once we finally, oh, well, let's talk about the deer hunting scene, I guess. They, we you know, finally he get to is see the deer, deer hunter. Yeah. You know, Mike is the kind of the lead of this film. And we see him actually hunt and, and get the deer. Mm-hmm. And there's oh there's this very important scene that i love where they come home 
after deer hunting, the deer's hitched onto the the hood of the, the, car, car. the Cadillac, yeah. and they get into the bar, and they're all loud and stuff, and it's just the five of them. And then John. <laughs> yeah, and then they go, and he plays the piano, and it's kind of like, you know, end of part one. It is definitely, yeah, it's like you the know end of I mean? phase one, and it's such a melancholy, but like, yeah, beautiful way to just finish all of our characters just sitting there and just yeah. like quietly contemplating their futures yeah, yeah. together and everything they've been we've seen them be through together you know exactly so now it is probably one of the most beautiful moments in the movie you know mm-hmm. and it's like these weird close-up pan shots of all of our characters with like you know <laughs> faded backgrounds and it's just like and i mean you're just like these really close-up shots with like faded backgrounds yeah. and it's just like a really intense moment to just kind of like watch a bunch of dudes sweat <laughs> and listen to a guy play piano yeah definitely i'm like you know it's like one of those things like in, if that happened in reality you'd be like God damn it, John! We were all hanging out. Why the fuck you <laughs> fuck up the party? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. It's it's I I love the scene. It's yeah. um it's something that I must have missed on my first viewing years ago because oh, I haven't really? seen this movie in years before yeah. rewatching it for the podcast. And like rewatching it, I was like, holy shit! I didn't realize how kind of a momentous like shift this goes scene. from that moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. I love whenever we jump into the war. See, I thought it was kind of jarring. Really? I mean, because it's just, you're just there. I mean, yeah. with no rhyme or reason, it's just, that that's it's just like, happening, you know what I mean? I think that's the idea, though, mm-hmm. is like, suddenly you're this, and then suddenly, now you're the rude awakening, you kind of fall asleep for the enlisting or like going through camp yeah. and everything, and then getting there, you know what I mean? And so, obviously, we're automatically shoved into the middle of this we see mike laying on the dead Viet Cong, or, or maybe they're the allies that were helping like yeah. the vietnamese people helping exactly. americans fight which i think Cong. is the reality yeah. yeah and he's laying on the dead to kind of blend in because they're still like Viet Cong out there like with flamethrowers yeah. and, and then shit. fucked up we watch that guy run up and open a bunker full of people and he just like throws <laughs> a grenade in and closes and i was like fuck <laughs> like, God, can you imagine being in there and you're like well we're all fucking dead <laughs> <laughs> like shit um, i will see you there or i, will I didn't mean to play that one <laughs> i just i just felt like a drop needed to be there and so i just pressed something <laughs> you're gonna have to figure out this button situation <laughs> um but um from there yeah no we see that obviously mike has been separated from nick and and mm-hmm. stevie and so, oh, another thing about Stevie, he's he's obviously like the little brother of the group. Yeah, you know what kinda, I mean? for sure. And he's the one who got married, which is kind right. of the irony of it. But yeah, Steven's definitely kind of yeah, the one to be taken care of is what we yeah. kind of see, yeah. But like Stevie, um, I like that there's this one scene before we go into the war where Stevie's like, I never did it with, you know, whatever her mm-hmm. name is, his wife. I'm going to say Janet. I never, I've never done it with Janet and Janet's obviously pregnant. You know what I mean? And it's just like, dude, this fucking world is kind of fucked up. Yeah. You know, these boys are literally just slipping into roles that are assumed for them. You know what I mean? And so we, we see, um, you know, Mike be a true badass right here at Viet in Vietnam. Would, he uses the flamethrower on on the guy. He had to burn him to death. <laughs> and the helicopter lands because it has Nick and Stevie in it, and and they see that there's still allies alive. And I love this scene a lot because Nick is no Mike is gone. It's almost like he's not there inside of him because he just lived through a whole bunch of fucking shit, obviously. And we see him walk past Nick and Stevie, and he, like, brushes, like, pushes shoulders with them, like, walking in between them, kind of not recognizing them. You know what I mean? And I feel like right there, you see the energy suddenly shift from Mike 
to Nick. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like the passing of the baton because, you know, not to spoil the rest of this movie, yeah. like before yeah. we talk about it, but that's obviously what happens to Nick yeah. throughout the rest of this film. You know what I mean? That kind of like loss of like who you are. Yeah. Right. And so, f- you know, from there we see them, I guess, leave, but mm-hmm. then it we jump again to them being prisoners of war, all three of them together, along with allies. And it's, this is where I guess we should respectfully say that there's no proof that, you know, Russian roulette happened in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. I mean, the one, the biggest criticism of this movie is the, how the Vietnamese people were represented and portrayed. And I think Michael Cimino's biggest argument and what makes the most sense is that this was supposed to be kind of like a horror film from the point of view of our American soldiers who only basically got to see the nightmares of what they were put through. And yet, though there are no, yeah, exactly, factual evidence of crazy (laughs) Russian roulette gambling or chains in uh, Vietnam. I mean, it's it's a good catalyst for a story of just, because it's such a good fear factor, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Obviously, It's it's used, regardless of, we can look at this movie as like fantasy world. Yeah. And it's everything works and is used in a proper way, I feel like you know what i mean because it only shows you what is necessary to the story definitely i mean mean, exactly it's almost like it's just trimmed everything except for what you absolutely need to see to understand and i mean that is it does definitely have its uh its perks in the Mm -hmm. sense of quick storytelling and the thing is is the whole first section we really only get a a day with these characters but it's more than enough to feel the the friendship these characters have had for years. So, I mean, the the directing and the cinematography is done well enough and the acting is done well enough that you yeah. they get the point across in these cut up kind of, you know, uh, this style was, of design. This was your first time watching this movie. This was definitely my first time watching this movie. And I had seen the, I mean, that's what's so cool about stuff like this is, you know, I'd seen the, the poster for this movie so much where you yeah. know, it's Robert De Niro and the red, red bandana, bandana and it's like amazing how those kind of things can become iconic. You know, you mm-hmm. understand the iconicness of it once you actually see the film and you're like, oh, that's the red bandana. Yeah. That makes sense now. You know what I mean? How but, did you, what were you thinking about here in this scene with our three main characters? When we first get to prison when, camp? When basically? we're in prisoner of war land mm-hmm. where they're playing the Russian roulette what was the tension like with with you watching this? Huge. I mean, so it's basically the most stressful. It. Definitely. Okay. I all think right. everybody just turned their acting chops up to 12 for all of that. You know, yeah. even the guy that's like handing them the gun and like making Dude. them do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's equally intense. He's like slapping them and like yelling the, back at them. The legend know? is that he was really hitting them. Oh, really? To get real reactions from them. And on top of that, this is all, you know, hearsay. Um, he was... He was a Thai, a Taiwanese man okay. who hated Americans, okay. and so I was like, "Yeah, I get to hit him and, and give him a gun. Fuck yeah, let me do, let yeah. me on. You know what I mean?" And so that's the legend. I don't know how much of that it's is true, true, but the idea of that, where he's like, "No, I'm getting a kick out of this," you know, it's. I think that that's it was pretty, authentic. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty dope. Um, no, but so yeah, did you? Were you like, well, fuck one of these boys are going to die here. I don't know. I felt like it was a little too soon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that there had to be some kind of twist. But I mean, she, well, when you see Steven in 
Mike doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. you, I, at that moment, I'm like, oh, shit, Steven's going to, you know, you're basically like, oh, Steven's going to die. You're, you're, you're like, like, Robert De Niro's a more focused Yeah, character. or you're like, this dude spilt the wine yeah. <laughs> an hour ago, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes ago. So. That's true. <laughs> um, that's just it. Like, that pretty much hit it, puts it in my mind where I'm like, okay, Steven is obviously the one who's not going to make it out of mm-hmm. all of this. You know, he's the one who got married, so obviously he's not the one who's going to come back from war. And it really right. put that in your kind of mind. So I liked that they subverted that expectation a little bit you know what i mean i basically was just waiting for him to die you know Mm -hmm. the whole movie i was just kind of waiting for that guy to die um and so i mean but the tension between them is huge and that kind of makes sense though that that's kind of how you would like avoid that situation you just freak out so much yeah you just shoot along the side of your head and not so much directly into it you know what i mean and so how did you feel when it was Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken that were doing the mm-hmm. the uh, the gambling, I guess, or not the gambling, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, they were, up. I mean, yeah, they were up for turns. Well, I mean, obviously at this point they had their plan for survival. Yeah, you know? and where so. it's like I love this plan too. Where it's like uh, Robert De Niro's like three. I want yeah. three in the in the in the barrel, and that way he can use them against them. But I hated the fact that they had to gamble those three for the first two shots. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, fuck. He he just upped his 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 um his ammo, mm-hmm. but then they went ahead and both Christopher Walken and and Robert De Niro shot blank or you know shot Blanks, empty yeah. it's because they needed to, he if it's a six shooter you know what i right. mean so the thing is he couldn't go one two three or in the time and then start firing or they would have had plenty of time to just light those yeah, motherfuckers but, up you know? you know so that's 50 percent <laughs> yeah. so they're both of them are there's you a know, huge odds and what if they would have spread the bullets out you know what i mean who would have said they put them in three chambers next to each other that's probably where they fucked up is yeah. they should have spread well no because then it's, i don't know it's gambling yeah. you know what i mean they should never put three bullets in the gun because yeah. they can shoot three people <laughs> exactly yeah but i like i mean the thing is is you see that they take a moment to be like oh shit should we do it and then they're like yeah yeah it's, i mean they're so caught up in the excitement of it all that's and that's true it's such an and, accurate representation and their lives of, aren't on the line it's yeah. only their cash yeah. you know what i mean and so. it's such a good representation of gambling exactly yeah. how it can blind you to like the greater threat you're kind of putting yourself <laughs> in in that moment you know <laughs> that's very true um but no they put when stevie grazes his head with a mm-hmm. bullet they put him in a water cage <laughs> which is a, fucked up with a dead body and a bunch of rats <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, I love that part where they literally just put a rat on top of the cage and shot a scene and be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I literally laughed at that shit. As someone who has owned rats, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just so funny to see one used in such a hilarious kind of manner. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, that's like pretty much the worst nightmare I can imagine in some kind of ways because the thing with that is, is you can't fall asleep. You have to keep yeah. yourself conscious or else you drown. You know what I mean? That's, and they... You, they those the, the idea of them having these these camps where they literally have the cages half submerged is fucked up. I was like, that is the worst place because you cannot lay down and you have to hold yourself up constantly. You know what I mean? It's just like they're not feeding you. The water is probably horrible to yeah. kill you to drink it, you know. It's just crazy. And it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. And people did go through things like that, whether or not, you know, whether in the Vietnam War or wherever. I mean, people have been through horrors exactly represented like that. And that's that's fucked up, man. (laughs) (laughs) God Uh, bless America, right? I think think we're coming to the point that uh, war is fucked up. War is fucked up. Um, And that's kind of the point of this movie, definitely. It's Um, it's very anti-Vietnam, which was a big theme in the late 70s. It's like... Well, this 
is kind of the one that kick started it. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like I, I remember I was reading somewhere that John Wayne was pissed because this was suddenly up for Best Picture Award and his film that came out two years prior or whatever, I don't remember what film it was, yeah. saw the Vietnam War as a positive thing. And suddenly now we're looking at it as like this horrible negligent thing. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what it actually kind of was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so, I mean, I think that that's very important also without throughout American history is mm-hmm. how we perceived things when they were happening at the yeah. same time. You know what I mean? Because this movie was a little bit removed from the Vietnam War being maybe 10 years after it. Yeah. But still, it's it's an, it's close enough to where it's like, yeah, dude, that just happened. Yeah. You no, know everybody I mean? who yeah dealt with it was still around and yeah. it was like, oh, this is fresh. You know? yeah. um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll finish talking about the deer hunter and the Russian roulette scene. I guess the first big one. Hey guys, welcome back to our Deer Hunter uh, conversation. Who discussion. watches the Deer Hunter? Who the who, who hunts the deer? <laughs> who hunts the watcher? Who deer hunt? Who uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Uh, so um, we are met with the the fifty fifty percent chance mm-hmm. of using the Russian roulette three bullet chamber, um, and both of our boys Nick and Mike have to use have to gamble Mm -hmm. their lives truly right here just to get them that much closer to having live bullets live ammunition Mm -hmm. because there's about five dudes that are holding them down with like ak's and and they're ready to like fire on them um if they you know yeah fuck around exactly (laughs) um and so that scene to me was the highest of tension yeah but did you see everyone kind of making it out of that scene right there alive did you, was there a piece of you that was like, oh, Chris Walken might die? No, I mean, I feel like I knew both of them were going to kind of get out of that okay. scene alive. And I, what I really loved is that when Christopher Walken would, would pull the trigger, he'd just drop the gun. You know what I mean? He would like <laughs> drop it from like eye level. Yeah. Like, just, like get out of here. You know? And I just thought that was like a funny like thing. Can you imagine if he like dropped it and like misfired because mm-hmm. he like dropped it so aggressively? <laughs> How did you feel about their performances? I'm fantastic, man. Dude, this is where this everybody is... just fucked it up. You know what Dude, I mean? Like in the best way. Christopher Walken's performance throughout this whole film is maybe one of my absolute favorite performances of all time. Yeah. Like straight up. Like that's why I think this movie drew me in so much is because uh, of course I love Robert De Niro. Of course I'm going to watch a, a movie of Robert De Niro yeah. from the 70s. But I think it was the the idea that i had only really known christopher walken as jokey jokey cowbell yeah man. and or like older yeah i mean older christopher walken right. is really the thing for me like i mean robert de niro we have taxi driver mm-hmm. and older movies that give that era of robert de niro like some kind of iconicism that like right. i can relate to but fucking christopher walken like i mean I, this is a movie i should have watched years ago but like i just haven't seen a lot of movies of him from the 70s and stuff right. just so get to see a young him turn his acting chops up to Dude. 20 and, you know <laughs> and like this is the first time where I I think I could confidently say that he's, he's a good looking man. I mean, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
he like, carries himself so well in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the I mean, just exudes confidence for the whole first part. Yeah. I mean, you understand why Meryl Streep or Linda would be more mm-hmm. attracted to him because you know where Mike is kind of the weird introvert. Yeah, you know, Nick is the out, you know, wordly like very lovable person. You know, yeah. what I mean, he's the one that just exudes love and confidence. So, yeah, you know, for and, sure. And I feel Charm. like Christopher Walken was perfect for that. You know what I mean? And that I, that charisma. Who would have thought? Because like I. Th- yeah, I know. <laughs> the thing is, Michael Cimino rolled the dice on yeah. this movie and all of its snake eyes. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy mm-hmm. to me. You know what I mean? So, like, um, what was I going to say? Okay, Christopher Walken, He, I think he's he has, like, some corny movies that are cult classics around yeah. the time. You know what I mean? I think there's, like, The Dead Zone or something oh, like okay. that. Um, but it's this movie that I feel like really shows how well, of, how good of an actor he mm-hmm. truly is. Why his name is, like, a household name. Exactly. And why people want to keep using him today, even if it's just a bit part where he's sits in the corner in a throne and he says yeah. no you know just like <laughs> you know what i mean uh, even if it's balls more, of- <laughs> more wide yeah. you know just like whatever his impression is i can't do it <laughs> balls of fury and yeah. he's like a weird asian you know version of himself <laughs> killing pandas <laughs> i can't do a christopher walken impression either i'm uh, gonna try i, I don't want to try again yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good though um but no yeah so they they freak each other out and then yeah. robert de niro goes full ham mm-hmm. on all the Viet Cong. And uh, do you, how, how survivable do you think that situation would actually be? You well, know? one of them gets a shot in the leg. Yeah. It was Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. I believe. And... Is it? I, it had to have been, because what? They talk about Robert De Niro taking a bullet later on, oh, and I was kind of right. confused by that. I was like, when did he get shot? It <laughs> must have been him, because yeah. one of them gets shot in the leg during mm-hmm. that whole skerfuffle. And they... Like for the idea that they were able to do that, I think it's pretty plausible because, mm-hmm. um, you know, all Christopher Maybe all off guard is really my argument with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were still just caught up in the game, and even the guys holding the guns would just not. I mean, you know what I mean? They'd be have their hands off the trigger because well, the they wouldn't thing- want to accidentally shoot the guy, you know? <laughs> the thing is, yeah, like, uh, uh, Mike shoots a guy with a gun mm-hmm. first. That's one of his first shots. You know what I mean? I think it's the second shot because he shoots the... I think he shoots the, fr- the guy right in the, the center of the head first. The guy, yeah, yeah first. <laughs> and so... Um, <laughs> which was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he shoots the guy with a gun, that's when Christopher Walken's able to be a part of the whole skerfuffle mm-hmm. and really help out. But after that, they save Stevie from the water. Stevie's delirious. Mike is I was convinced. also surprised by that. I thought they were going to leave him behind because yeah, well, they basically yeah. talked about it. They were like, fuck Stevie. He's done for. Yeah, Mike is like, yeah, we yeah. have to leave him behind. So I thought it was weird they had that conversation. Like, basically, we need to survive on our own time. Fuck Stevie. He's done. Mm-hmm. But then they like survived on their own and then brought Stevie with them anyway. You know? yeah. <laughs> Which made sense. And I was like, why did he be like, fuck him? You know, why yeah. did he have to convince Christopher Walken to abandon him just to not abandon him? You know, I think it's it's kind of like still the passing of the baton, the mm-hmm. passing of the torch, where this whole scene is still Mike, still this kind of stoic rock man. Yeah. That's kind of like impressioning or impressing onto uh, Nick. Walken. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I mean whenever they're kind of always feeding off of each other, even yeah. before this, where it's like, who's who's impressing onto who? You know what I mean? Who yeah. who is who is the leader in this group? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you it feels like there should be one. Mm-hmm. You look at them and you're like, who's in charge here? You yeah. know? But it's 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 kind of both in a different way. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this this whole scene is still the passing of the torch, especially because when they float down the river for a while and the helicopter picks them up on the bridge, on the ripped apart like yeah. rope bridge. 
Nick is the only one that gets away. Mm -hmm. Stevie and Mike fall from the helicopter and Stevie gets like injured pretty Mm -hmm. badly. And we don't see them again for a while. And this is, I think, another great part of this movie where it's like, all right, for the next 30 to 40 minutes, Nick is our main character. Yeah. Where before this, we gave you the heavy impression that Mike was. You know what I mean? How did you feel about Nick's um, first impression or first look at a big hustling Vietnamese city? And I want to say real quick, mostly because I I think these are a lot of uh, refugees from yeah. neighboring cities having to flood this place that Absolutely. suddenly it's become this madhouse. You exactly. know what I mean? I mean, that's exactly what was kind of going on. And I think, yeah, Michael Cimino was kind of exploring some of those kind of ideas, you know, because later on we even see it where they're like reading like what looks like an embassy or something. Mm-hmm. But we don't totally know what's going on. But I think those were meant to be like references that like in the time we would have understood right. a little bit better um but yeah definitely that's the hustling bustling city but i love to go back just a hair to that first scene we see of nick where he's sitting there being oh, spoken right. to by the doctor and fun fact about those questions that doctor asks is those are psychological tests to like test someone's oh. mentality after war you ask like incredibly personal questions about people in your life like what are their names what are yeah. their birthdays and Someone who hasn't been, like, fucked up by war is going to be able to be like, oh, my mom's name is Isla. She was born this day. You know what I mean? But someone who is all fucked up, just to think about those kinds of things is going to literally crack them like an egg like that. And I thought that was such a perfect example of him being like, oh, we got to get this guy out of here. He's he's cracking. You know what I mean? But then I thought it was strange because they talk about him going AWOL later. But I felt like that was a scene where it was we were basically seeing him be... Like Rele- yeah, like released from the army. So there was like, because I mean, does he wear fatigues when he's walking around? Um, no, after that he's just in like is a, it Saigon? Is yeah, that yeah where he's, he's in Saigon. Yeah. yeah, and he's just wearing like his military <clears throat> uniform. Okay. You know what I mean? Like his like uh, walking around wear. I don't know what you'd call Christopher it. walking around. Yeah, it's wear. Christopher walking around wear. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> military wear. Um, and so yeah, then we get to see him in Saigon hanging out with you know, and we see the first uh, organized. Yeah, Russian roulette. Gambling. Yeah, tournament. You know what I mean. How do you, right, well, well, let's go back because we didn't talk about the the hooker scene. Yeah. <laughs> so just... well, yeah. I mean, I, this is the whole section of this movie where it's like, damn, we're really seeing Nick like feeling it. Yeah. Because like we see, yeah, like you were saying, he's in the the embassy and mm-hmm. and they're questioning him. That scene I felt like was tragic already. You know, him just sitting there and and the way he acts right there, the mm-hmm. acting in that scene. <laughs> You know? It's fucking so good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, no, you feel like he's really breaking down, mm-hmm. you know? And that's one thing that I love about Christopher Walken in this slot of this 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 mm-hmm. character is because I, I believe it yeah. wholeheartedly. I don't see Balls of Fury. I don't see, you know. I see an unhinged Vietnam soldier like exactly. losing it in Saigon. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, yeah, we, we see him kind of like, I guess, released on medical leave or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. And we see him hustling walking through the town and this place is like i said a madhouse and and they go into a place called mississippi queen Mm -hmm. where he does and there's these strippers and it's like fuck this is the impression of america already so heavily right here that there's a bar called mississippi queen and these there's women dancing to what is like yeah sugar pie or whatever the song is i I don't know you know what i mean it's just like some rock american yeah. yeah it was i had to have been the 60s so it was it was some 60s song but I just thought that that was fucking crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's how much we needed, or the men in war needed, or the idea. Cause and it's almost like a weird, like, reflection on tourism and yeah. the fact that, like, Vietnam, like, 
accommodated America like that yeah, in those exactly. kind of ways. You're like, oh, well, we need like American bars with like strippers and, you know, women to like bang. And I love that when the stripper or the hooker comes up to him, she's like, I, cr- I make you, I'm not like American girl. I make you crazy. That's <laughs> like how she like convinces him to come upstairs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that is not a convincing argument for me. <laughs> yeah. But um, I literally made the joke that I was like, this would literally be my luck if I ever tried to get a hooker. <laughs> She'd have a fucking baby in the room, you know? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, whoa, that's so fucked up. And so, but like horribly accurate in the sense of like somewhere like that would be kind of run down like that. And yeah. of course, they take your money first and then it's, you get up to deal with the situation afterwards. It's really trying to play up the tragedy of the whole idea of this existence. And, and even know? I think, it, and see, in my opinion, that's like even Michael Cimino trying to show like the tragedy that Vietnam kind of went through yeah, and the horrible sure. things that they had had to do in the name of dealing with the war. And, you know, because that baby could, could quite possibly be another soldier's baby that yeah. he was just like well see you later exactly you know? probably is <clears throat> it's just crazy fuck this, it man this this idea of just like everything's mm-hmm. fucked you know so and, does he not find the russian he didn't find the russian roulette game until he meets the frenchman right and so is. he he walks out of there he needs to get away from everything and yeah. he goes down a quieter street that's yeah and that's where he meets the frenchman and he's he's got like this fucking nice car from like the fucking 30s yeah that man is the biggest mystery in this movie to me it's like one why is his car everywhere somehow and yeah who the fuck like he just keeps calling christopher walking like beautiful and like yeah. a, a unique specimen it's like bro you just saw this guy for the first time and there's got to be like a bunch of other american soldiers walking around wondering what stood out like there was nothing like that he did that was like oh it makes sense why he would have been drawn to christopher walking yeah. you know what i mean so i was a little weirded out by just this strange frenchman who gets becomes How- very involved how do you feel about the idea of Christopher Walken wanting to become this again? One, like jump into this? Yeah, one big thing I really thought I kind of feel like the movie tried to represent between Mike and Nick is how they perceive things from that moment of our initial Russian roulette game is that like when, you know, as we see, not to get too much into it, we once we see Mike going back home and like dealing with everything, it very much shows that he's very anti death he's kind of been fed up with death he's seen yeah. so much of it and in, in the worst kind of ways that he's done with it but i think nick is kind of the other side of that coin where he's almost be kind of become obsessed with it it's like mm-hmm. something he can't get away from now it's you almost know? like the thrill seeking at the very beginning of the movie kind of foreshadowed like the idea of like like we're always on the edge of death yeah we're always and, and like the obsession with yeah mm-hmm. exactly like uh, you know it just being you know that close all the time and yeah. i really think that nick basically just becomes obsessed with the idea of dying and that it's something he that's so inescapable that it's like you know why not you know yeah. just play this game and why do... not feel something from it exactly you know? and so uh, let's go ahead and and so he he stays there with the frenchman is the idea and so let's go into the final part mm-hmm. of this movie which is the return home of of just Mike? Mike. Well, I mean, we, no, we're truly. I mean, the only yeah, person, we're only seeing Mike return. Yeah, but I mean, in reality, Mike is truly the only one who honestly comes back from Vietnam. If mm-hmm. you really think about it, you know what I mean. I would argue that Stephen, if not in you know, if maybe in body but not in mind, ever truly yeah. comes back. You know, um, actually, I forgot about the. There's a scene. Yeah. right before that, right lot. at the end of at part two. Yeah, where. Mike is somehow oh, we there. See him, yeah, at he's the somehow Russian at roulette. the Russian roulette like gambling table, and it 
like Christopher Walken like interrupts mm-hmm. the the game going on, and he's like, "You want to see how it plays?" You know, and he, he pulls it on himself and throws the gun. Yeah, and he runs out, and everyone's chasing him. The Frenchman drives him away in that fucking car, yeah. and Mike is running after him. And then that's the last time we see Nick. Mm-hmm. And so we know that Nick stays in Vietnam. We don't know where Stevie is upon Mike's return, return. to yeah. Pittsburgh or, or right outside of Pittsburgh, and and that's where. You know, we pick up third, the third part, the yeah. third act, which is him returning home, and he's in the taxi, mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, keep driving, drive past," because they have like these big banners hanging from the telephone poles of like, "Welcome home, Mike." I mean, wouldn't you want to kind of avoid that giant party too? Like, that's that's where I'm like, this is fucking real, yeah, because it's like he's ashamed, he's ashamed of the the war he was just a part of, and he's ashamed to be the only one. Coming, coming back home. you yeah. know he probably feels insanely guilty that he's Fuck. The, yeah. the one of three you know and and knowing that he's probably not the one some people want to see the most yeah you know? and, 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 yeah like right before <laughs> this you know uh, <laughs> nick is like in love with a girl and she's she can't wait for him to come home and yeah. get married and then the other one just got married you know what i mean so it's like he's the one that probably maybe should have died the most exactly you know what i mean because he had nothing going for him other than shooting deer mm-hmm. you know and it's just crazy because like now suddenly you're right it's like the two sides of the coin where it's like mike has not wants nothing to do with death he mm-hmm. want he doesn't want any part of that world anymore and it's nick where he's still in in playing yeah, out there playing death every exactly. day, every day. Yeah, it's just this movie is real. I mean, real is such a good word yeah. to put it, you know, into it. And if these characters feel so flushed out, and and their reactions to the things that happen to them and the world around them feel so genuine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly because we see Mike go from avoiding that party to going and just getting a hotel room in the town he lives in, yep. just to like. Hide, you know, away. sit there and hide in a fetal position kind of corner, you know, and just stay in the quiet and stay away from everybody. It's, I fucking love the peacoat oh, put him in that, dude. that military coat. Yeah. With the, <laughs> oh, my God. The wardrobe scene, in this yeah. movie is fucking gorgeous. But once he comes back and he's in that little military, I, I was just like, okay, Robert De Niro is the hot one still. Because <laughs> 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 he um, looks so great. I mean, he, he does. looks awesome. He know? does. He looks sick. Um <laughs> This movie's fucking good. It um, really is. So this whole last act, yes. or at least the first half of it, mm-hmm. is Mike unveiling the secrets of like, well, Nick is still there. Yeah. And finding out the secrets of like, oh, Stevie came back before me. Yeah. You know? And so it's him and he's kind Angela, of- Angela, that's the wife's name. I even oh, heard it okay. down right Angela. here. Because we get to see Angela, who's basically gone through what I would argue is probably like very much like- both a postpartum kind of mm-hmm. depression of having this child that is not her husband's, you know yeah. what I mean? But even beyond that, that exactly, you know, she was like, okay, you know, I, everything least... kind of sucks now, but when my husband gets back, everything will be fine now. Mm-hmm. And then she gets the call like, hey, your husband's basically never coming back, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I, she probably like cracked like an egg herself, you know, yeah, and, and like absolutely that. lost her mind. Yes. And they're playing with the radio. So I feel like even that, you know, it like feels kind of confusing, like, oh, why'd this lady go crazy? But it makes so much sense that yeah. these things would lead up snowball into her just kind of like not being able to cope you know yeah. definitely not being able to cope with him kind of being a crazy person you know yeah um but it there's there's the idea that that nick no mike kind of slots into nick's spot mm-hmm. a little bit he kind of like steals his life yeah, yeah like a little bit and it's like it's it's once again that impression where it's like 
you know, he left the impression on Nick mm-hmm. and then he comes home and sees the impression that Nick has left and he's like, I fit perfectly in this impression. You know what I mean? I can lay down right in the spot that Nick had left. And it's crazy to me because there is that that fixture of like these two men constantly dancing with who are they to each other mm-hmm. that it keeps getting twisted in this movie twisted up and they're they're almost interchangeable exactly exactly but the idea is that when this movie was first written Mm -hmm. it was nick that came home and nick that felt guilty that he left mike behind and it's like this movie would kind of suck if that was the reality that was i would not give half enough of a shit about Mm -hmm. this movie if they didn't have this twisting of the men where it's like who is who to 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 this spot you know what i mean because they're fighting over this one spot that exists Mm -hmm. and that's the you know that's such a true way to think about it. it's basically almost like they're fighting for one life you know one existence you know that they both are trying to you know take up that space in and it so truly in a way only one of them could come back from the war in an argument you know like what if both of them would have come back what would have happened you know what would have happened to mike you know that would have sucked in my opinion you know this movie really only works with our introverted main lead you know kind mm-hmm. of being the one that has to return and the one that doesn't have anything to return to yeah but it has to basically take on the responsibilities of his friends you know and i think that's so reflected throughout this whole movie that he is the one that takes on the responsibilities or even the burdens of his friends right. you know i mean yeah. that, the scene at the beginning with the boots you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's such an example of like where he's almost fed up like taking care of his friends all the time you know what i mean and now he's going off to war and he's like feels like he's done having to be the one to take care of them but then we see him come back and just fall right back into that role again exactly so it's like who he was kind of meant to be but they go on the hunting trip oh my god the second hunting trip (laughs) and he sees the deer Mm -hmm. and he has the perfect shot and it's like you said where it's like death doesn't doesn't knock on his door anymore Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to take that life and that's where it's like he's no longer the deer hunter you know Mm -hmm. what i mean he is permanently changed and it's only just it's it's kind of a flesh level cut where it's just like yeah you know before the war he could shoot deer after the war he can't shoot deer but it's like that much of a stamp that it's like that it's so right there you know what i mean it's it's all given to you on on display and at the same time we're seeing him kind of go through this moment of like i'm so through with all of this death and everything we kind of get uh, at the exact same time the rest of the gang running around firing a thousand shots at this deer until they finally put one in its leg and i think that's really like a symbol symbolic of like the men who didn't go to war and like them not even understanding what you know they haven't been through it you know what i mean what they actually truly did was you know destroy a life so to them this is still just a fun drinking game of exactly Mm -hmm. and you know what we're seeing now is just them exactly almost like cruelly taking a life you know exactly. and not following robert de niro's one shot rule <laughs> <laughs> the one shot and i rule. thought that was such an amazing thing to run through the movie that he has this rule that you know it's like you always finish it in one shot mm-hmm. you know and then that's kind of symbolic to russian roulette you yep. know what i mean and that you finish it in one shot you yeah. know this movie is it riddled with metaphor this movie is like the most beautiful poetry (laughs) Mm -hmm. and even though it's on the inside of like the most generic looking greeting card Mm -hmm. it's still (laughs) incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that's how i look at this movie is like it sets up so many blatant ideas right there right for you to look at and as cliche as some of them might look today because 
it's it's because of the idea that so many of them of them have been played and and twisted since then. You know what I mean? And so this movie, we see Stevie. You want to jump into the the uh, ending half? I guess. Yeah. So Stevie, yeah. we we get to see Stevie, and and it's finally the mystery is revealed because like they won't fucking tell Mike. Yeah. They won't say it outright to him. Mike doesn't even have the guts to call him one time, and so finally he gets to go see Stevie, and Stevie Stevie's like a, a triple amputee. Yeah. Well, I think he's he just has like a gimp arm, and then he's right, uh, and then he's his legs are gone, but the one arm just like doesn't work. But I don't know. Oh, it is still there, right? I think he I think he doesn't have yeah, both his legs and, and one of and his arms. The left arm. Okay, yeah. And so then, he just has the one arm that he kind of remote controls his mm-hmm. not remote control but like controls his, Little, his yeah wheelchair with wheelchair yeah. yeah and stevie's blind and it's and he's lost like a lot of what is expected of him yeah and he's decided that where he is keeps him content enough to forget what yeah. has happened to him you know what I mean, and and we see them. This is obviously like a well, it's like going home, like will a force VA. you to have to cope with the differences in yourself, right. you know. But where he's at in this VA kind of hospital mm-hmm. allows him to. I mean, they accept him as this person because he's always been this person here. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like that fear of like, once I go back to my real life, I have to accept that I'm not yeah me anymore. <laughs> and it's fuck. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. Like the way they twist these men around to where it's like, you are not going to be you by the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone has these invisible arcs throughout yeah, like, the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, they went from writing Stephen, you know, it equals Stephen's death. And then I scratched out death, but downfall. <laughs> <laughs> so, because okay. So when they fall from the helicopter, we see Stevie break his leg pretty mm-hmm. badly. Did you think Stevie died? Well, no, because he's talking the whole time. He's like, oh, no, no, I hurt no, myself no. I really mean, bad. I mean, by the time Mike comes oh. home, were you like, Stevie's died? Dead. I feel like they would have made it more of a moment of like him having for sure died. I assumed he was just like severely injured or I, like, you know. I remember watching this the first time and seeing Mike mm-hmm. suddenly in the, the Russian roulette place where Christopher Walken kind of breaks in. And I was like, oh, he's there alone. Stevie's dead. Stevie died. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that it was going to be like this kind of twist card reveal where it's like, no, he's alive. He's just not Stevie anymore. And he you was the first I mean? one who got to go home, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I just found that crazy that they mm-hmm. they all kind of like take turns taking care of each other and then lose all of each other yeah. at the end of the war and all come home different. And very differently. Vastly different. Um, and so after, yeah, we see, we see all that, we see Stevie reveals that someone has been sending him a bunch of cash throughout. Yeah. And that's one thing I even wrote down in here is that the we, elephant, the elephant and the cash, which is basically the, I mean, our personal Sorry. symbolism that Christopher Walken definitely is the, I mean, it's, I don't even think it's meant to be too, you know, like mysterious, but I mean, that's like how we're supposed to be like, oh, it's definitely Christopher Walken because we see him mentioned late earlier in the Saigon that he wanted to buy one of those elephants. It was like you know? a little elephant, um, like, I don't know, statue. And so I thought it was kind of crazy. At that point in time, I thought Nick had been gambling on the on the, the games, not actually playing them and somehow winning all of this time. You yeah. know what I mean? I thought he was just like part of the gang, like being like, oh, you know, throwing money down. So I thought that was kind of I was like, once we get there and he's just been playing this whole time, I'm like, how would he have survived all this time? So that's so conveniently. That's the beauty of this movie, I yeah, think, because now. So. so once we see all this stuff, Mike is like, fuck, I've had enough. I need to return. Mm-hmm. And we come back to Saigon. We come back and the war is ending and everything has gone to shit mm-hmm. you know what i mean mississippi queen's like a destroyed like husk of a building yeah. you know what i mean and so he goes and he finds the frenchman and it takes the frenchman forever for them to finally find nick again mm-hmm. and i thought that this this is like 
legendary for me in this movie is that Nick has been able to be playing this game and never dying. And he's even gotten a reputation as the American. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crazy gr- American. Yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. American. It's just, I I love it. It's, you, you love that? You think that works? I think it's, because well, a lot of this, we have to hinge on fantasy for a lot of it. You know what I mean? And so for this idea to be like this, I find it. It's almost poetic, you know, exactly. that he would survive all the way up until the time it mattered the most, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And so the return, we see Mike and Nick. Yeah, we see Mike come back with just wads of cash that also don't totally get explained. And maybe he took it from Stevie. Yeah. You know, I, mean? I yeah. just thought that was funny that he just comes back. He just got money to flaunting. blow. Yeah, he's yeah. just flaunting cash. <laughs> just and, every every corner, he's like money out of a pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, he he buys his way into the game. And mm-hmm. so obviously the players are making money. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing that isn't exactly explained, but like, do you think they make more money? Cause they play, they don't, I mean, that's, I mean, based on gambling, I would, I would be curious how the gambling rules of all of that would be, how would any of that would work? Yeah. But I'm assuming that it's just like, it's like any buy-in you bet on yourself and then whatever the buy, whatever the gambling True. buy-in is, is how much you put in, you know? So like here in America, can you, bet on yourself if you're a boxer i don't know i That's really a good don't question yeah right? that is a good question I'm, i mean obviously i have to believe you probably can't like maybe you can't directly but there's obviously ways there's like that you ways can do it where it's like I mean? oh my wife can or yeah, something exactly <laughs> um mm. but no i find it very I don't know. that's a good question very interesting and and so finally we're at the tail end of this movie and Nick is revealed, and he is like Mike when he... He's like a ghost. (laughs) He's a ghost. Mike is like a statue or a ghost whenever he's first found, you know, at the beginning of part Mm -hmm. two in Vietnam. And now Nick has turned into a vastly different version of this. You're making me feel like this is actually secretly an exorcism or like a... uh, (laughs) possession movie and this whole movie is about a, a ghost <laughs> like a tra- yeah a demon transferring from mike to nick you know that's what it feels like dude <laughs> and that's so symbolic of what it probably would be like you know yeah and so it's now finally we see mike he buys his way into facing off against nick mm-hmm. in the 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 uh, russian roulette championship mm-hmm. and it's a mirror of when they did it as prisoners of war yeah you know what i mean and where you know nick was okay so mike was the one that was like nick you can do it just shoot you mm-hmm. know first time around it's suddenly become the opposite where mike is like don't shoot he's begging him not to don't yeah. do it we're we don't have to do it anymore. do you think it would have fucked you up if we were in vietnam and i was like bro shoot yourself in the fucking head right now and i was like yelling that at you <laughs> Yeah. You feel like that kind of mess you up in the brain a little yeah. bit, right? Your best friend in the world is like, no, bro, do it. Do yeah. it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> <You're just> like, <laughs> and then I'm here a couple of years later, like, hey, bro, don't, don't do, do it. it. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> it's like, that's, and that's the last time you really got to see him in the face, too, mm-hmm. is when they were prisoners of war. That's the last time they got to get a good look at each other's faces. Mm-hmm. And so we see them now and they're they're face to face again and you know mike is like remember this remember this you remember me come on remember and nick finally is like yeah i remember you know i remember the good times and he pulls the trigger and he shoots himself and that's where i'm like this movie's gold forever <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> because it it was it's we're finally at the moment 
and he's been alive this whole fucking time playing Russian roulette in Vietnam. And it's not until he's face to face with Mike again that he shoots himself in the head. It's almost like that he's ready to to die in a way. You yeah. Know? And so it's like it's not it is not any different for Nick to have done that to have shot himself in the head right there at the end of the movie if it had happened in the prisoner of war scene. And and I'm like, this is this is a a forever golden movie. And we were supposed to have my brother Todd yeah. on this podcast. I'm so curious why he hated it. Yeah. What do yeah. you think? What what reason do you think Todd would have hated this movie? First of all, this is not the episode that I would have invited Todd on to. Oh, be. really? Yeah. Cause I don't feel like Todd it was meant to be a surprise, was what the other yeah, turned no, yeah. into. And I get, yeah, you know, was how that originally started. Um, for me, I, I don't think Todd likes to sit through long, long drawn out films like exactly. this. So some of the more like tedious scenes, like the the wedding scene and stuff like that. Because that when I asked him initially, he said that it was yeah long and that it had no redeemable qualities. <laughs> Which I thought was really interesting because no, but I mean, I would thought I thought you would argue with the camaraderie and you know well, and like yeah. the the brotherliness between our main characters. That's you true. know what I mean? So it's very interesting to hear unredeemable. You know, no the, redeemable. The thing is, I I can understand that argument, mm-hmm. and I won't argue it. You know what I mean? Like for some people, this movie is a three hour slog fest. You know what I mean? I would much rather watch this movie again than Apocalypse Now. I'll put that out there. I haven't seen like the last 15 minutes of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> for some reason, I watched the whole thing except for the last 15 minutes. But You're fine. No, I agree. This movie, I feel like there's a lot of really cool things in Apocalypse Now. Absolutely. But, but I, I don't think it has the rewatch value. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could put this movie on while I was doing something and probably find myself sitting there. And being like, and oh, this kind of get scene. caught up in it, yeah, yeah, and see the scene. If I put Apocalypse Now on, it would just be playing in the background while I was doing <laughs> shit, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Point. There, this movie has a lot to capture you in. Like, yeah. it, it draws you in. Did How did you feel when Christopher Walken shot himself in the head right here at the end of the movie? Sad. Did you cry? <laughs> I didn't cry. But I was really, I mean, you're genuinely heartbroken. And, and Robert De Niro's reaction Dude, to it performance. is heartbreaking. My you know? God. Dude, these these two boys and their performances in this movie are fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. And the climax, but the climax builds itself up perfectly. You know yeah. what I mean? You kind of expect it, and once again, it's almost poetic. You know, in this, I, you kind of know in this moment, like Nick's not going to walk away from this, yeah. even if he does come back a little bit. This is this is the end of the story of these two. You know what I mean? And- How do you feel if Mike had shot himself in the head? And Nick was like, fuck. And Nick ended up going home with Mike's casket. I think that would be an, it would have been an even darker ending in a way because where Mike will have some kind of normalism at the end of his life, if Nick would have been the one to go back, he'd have just been really, really a ghost fucked and fucked up of himself. Because his veins are like soaked with opium and yeah. like he's just like this crazy husk of what he could have or used to be. Exactly. His teeth are like brown, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and this, the thing is, is to go home doesn't wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be the thing to stop him from obsessing with the game. Who's to say he wouldn't sit there, you know, pulling the trigger at his head in his living room for the rest of his life? You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that if I had been Michael Cimino and I had directed accidentally directed this beautiful, gorgeous, <laughs> like perfect film, yeah. um, I would have had two endings. I think I would have had one where Nick dies and one where Mike dies. Really? Yeah, and. Because, like, the funeral scenes would have been completely different. Because after this, we go home. We didn't talk very much about Linda. Yeah. But that's that's because Mike even 
admits in interviews where they didn't have a lot written for Linda. Mm-hmm. And when they casted Meryl Streep, they were like, fuck. And so he went out. <laughs> he, like, damn it. We just put a, a workhorse on a pretty small load. <laughs> exactly. And so he he went to you know Meryl Streep and was like, hey, you're going to find the script a little lacking in your department. Go ahead and write your own lines. And so she literally went in there and wrote a Can lot of her own shit. you imagine having that kind of respect? That's I. That's that's, that's a true so incredible. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's so incredible to them to be like, you know better, so we're just gonna <laughs> let you handle it, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we see the final scene where mm-hmm. it's the funeral for Nick and Stevie's there. Everyone's there, mm-hmm. and there is everyone's crying. They go back to the bar that we've seen a hundred times. I I have to assume one of them partly owns it John. or something. John okay. is the bar owner. Yeah, okay. it's his bar. Okay, and so. They're cooking breakfast because mm-hmm. it was a, a morning funeral, I guess. And he starts singing, what is it, America? God yeah. bless America. Yeah. He starts humming and singing. Which you think from... would have been kind of inappropriate a little bit considering their friend just died in a horrible, senseless war. Yeah. And now they're like, but, but God bless America. The thing is, America. they still don't see it that way. Yeah. That, you know I think I mean? that's the ending moral of the movie, exactly. It's like, is that... even though Nick and Mike, or even though Mike and Stevie feel it, mm-hmm. they don't, they still don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it was for America. Exactly. You know, is the message, and we did it for our country. <laughs> Exactly. And so there's a part of me that wishes that when um, it's, it's John comes mm-hmm. back with the eggs and everything mm-hmm. and everyone's standing or, or sitting there and, and John's standing there with the eggs and everything and they finish singing it together. I, I wish the movie ended right there. But then we see them kind of like pass on the plates mm-hmm. and, and like kind of just dwell out the rest of the scene, which I feel like is also kind of beautiful in a way too because it's like life still has to go on life goes on exactly i think that's really the two morals of the ending of this movie is we did it for america and Uh life just kind of has to go on but i loved that we started with this bar as like such a beautiful place of every scene we see at the beginning in this bar is just pure joy and happiness every moment's you know happy and then the last scenes in this are just about death and sadness and it's such a full circle in the movie of this yeah this iconic scene so it's a good ass fucking movie it really is i'm so super bummed that i waited this long in my life to watch it but i'm happy you liked it that we did do this for this you know what i mean that's why this podcast is so great because i got you know we get to experience and then talk about it you know what i mean so it was fantastic so i'm so happy you like this movie dude really did you not expect me to when because we had that discord conversation mm-hmm. that i uh, you asked todd how he liked it before you had even watched it mm-hmm. and i came in right at the tail end of it and you're like oh sh- sh-, you yeah. know because because i have that big rule where it's like talk about it on the podcast yeah um and i heard todd saying that he didn't like it i was like oh no, oh, no. kenny might not like it i i suddenly i realized oh no there's there's a real possibility people don't like this movie. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of that is is um there's there's merit to it. Where yeah. you because like it is an older movie. It has older sensibilities. It is shot in an older way. Yeah. And there and the thing is I don't want to like rub people through the dirt, but I feel like some people have lost patience for movies in a way that sometimes you just have to be patient with the film and that there's reasons some scenes are drawn out. I mean, yeah. even if they feel senseless, it's to give you it's to let you soak it or like really soak it in you know what i mean feel the world and you know instead of just fucking jumping through it you know what i mean and and the goddamn streaming culture (laughs) i'm breezing through sweet tooth right now uh one thing that i can give to advice to people that that have a hard time watching longer movies like this is whenever you suddenly feel yourself like oh shit this is going on for a long time 
go ahead and take yourself out of the film for a second. Step back and think about why. Why why did they make this so long? Mm-hmm. What can what can I think about the process of what are they trying to tell me with this being so fucking long? Exactly. You know what I mean? And so a lot of this movie is about the ritual state of man mm-hmm. and the slots that they're all expected to slip into. And even though they slip into this idea of a, a man going to war mm-hmm. and they come out contorted and twisted at the end, they still have to force themselves into those Yeah, they still spots. have to go back to work. They still have to yep. go back to their marriages. You know what I mean? That's what I thought was really crazy is we kind of see that, you know, um, Robert De Niro goes back, Mike goes back to the working at the steel mill in the yep. end. And it's like, you just fucking go through all this shit and you just go back to fucking work. Yep. That shit fucking sucks. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it sucks. Um, so I give definitely, I give this movie a 4.5. Dude, me too. I mean, it's rock solid from start to finish. Yep. A beautiful score. You know, Cavantina is the Dude, acoustic the song. And this, oh. we're going to play it throughout this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> um, the score is so good. But yeah, it's so well considered. And I think it just fits so well into movies from this time period. You know what I mean? Yep. I think I think this is one of the best. And I yep. want to watch more young Christopher Walken movies now. Because yep. he's just, he really. is charming. He's charming. Yeah. So. Maybe that'll be uh, sooner than later Yes, on our wonderful little movie podcast we do. Yeah. So. Thank you guys for listening to this with us. Uh, so um, what, next week we're doing Event Horizon? Event Horizon next week. All righty. Um, well, yeah, we're going back to a Sam Neill yeah. sci-fi horror. <laughs> yeah, we did In the Mouth of Madness not too long ago, and now we're... Did you already watch it, uh, Event Horizon? I did. You From did? the moment of recording this, I have already watched it. Okay. I don't want to talk about it too no, much. No, yeah, right? that's... that's I'm I'm very interested. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. Because so. this is one that we neither of us had seen before Yeah, this. exactly. This yeah. was for our next episode where we maybe will have someone yeah. on with I, us. I think there's a good chance we will. So. Um, uh, please follow us on Instagram. We like don't say we don't say this enough on our podcast, but we have an Instagram. You will find it in the description below this uh, the the podcast description. Yeah, that. because uh, the podcast notes, I guess. I don't want to. It's comic book raiders, but who knows if you listen to this seven years from now, it might Could not be, be called that <laughs> anymore. Um, but yeah, follow us there. Uh, we're pretty active. So, and uh, yep, yeah, next week we will talk Event Horizon. So yep. we will see y'all then, and we will see you on another time. Bye. Bye guys.